Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... think we can do religious stuff and get to heaven is not loving Jesus. It's actually using God to get to heaven and dismissing of Jesus. And nowhere do we see this better than the cross. On the cross, we see true love is joyful, self-giving for the good of others and the glory of God. The scriptures often tell us that we both receive something from God now and that we will get it someday in the future. How is that possible? It is possible because the Lord gives us things when we first put our trust in Him and then matures us in those same things as we walk through life with Him. And when we meet Him face to face, those things are completed in us. One of the beautiful aspects of the gospel is that although we continue to sin, God sees followers of Jesus Christ for what they are becoming and ultimately what they will be. Let's learn more about this in Galatians chapter 5. Here's Pastor Jim. So let's go verse 5 again. For we, now look at the change here. He's no longer saying you. He's saying we. He's saying we true Christians through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope Now, we'll talk about it in a bit, but we've said it before. Hope in the Bible is certainty. Certainty. Very different than the way we think of hope. We're like, hope that works out for you. Get in your car. He's dead, right? (laughs) That's not the way it is in the Bible. Through the Spirit, so the Spirit helps us eagerly wait for the hope or the certainty of righteousness by Faith, righteousness, think perfection in God by faith, not by works. Here the Apostle Paul tells us how important it is that righteousness, theological term imputed, means given to us by Jesus through faith is. He says it is so important, so very important. It's what we wait for. It's what we wait for. Now, when we think of righteousness, we think of being a good person. You know, that guy, he's a righteous dude. It's okay. Or how you feeling, dude? I'm feeling righteous, man. It's okay. I get it. But it means way more than that. It means because of the work of Christ, when we say someone's righteous, we mean they're trying to live according to the word of God. Don't get so hung up on, oh, you know, whatever. Or we are righteous because of Christ. But it really means that we, because of the work of Christ, by faith, receive a right standing and a clean record with God. So let's go back to the often cited loser syndrome. 
where you think you are a complete loser in God's eyes, that he is so tired of you that heaven is like, why do we make these kinds of promises to let these people into heaven? No, 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 God sees Christ in you and he sees you in Christ. He couldn't love you more than he loves you right now. And so because of the work of Christ, by faith, which we receive by faith, we are in right standing and we have a clean record with God. This is the key to the gospel. This is the key, that righteousness comes by faith, not the flesh. It is given to us. It is imputed to us. We don't work for it. The illustration I've used before is think of yourself in dirty clothing. Christ comes along and he cleans you up and he puts the robe on you and that's how God sees you. And we are righteous because we trust for Christ. And yet he says here, we wait for it. Now here's where we have to really think. A logical question is, but you're always telling us, Pastor Jim, that when we put our trust in Christ, we have the righteousness of Christ. And here the Apostle Paul seems to be changing his tune. Because he's told us before we have the righteousness of Christ, now he's saying we wait for the righteousness of Christ. Yes, we have the righteousness of Christ positionally. We are in God in position. We are righteous, but we are practically in practice. We are growing into it. And the complete fulfillment of it will be at the second coming and the great judgment. So now again, we are practically, we still sin. Positionally, we, we are perfect. It's like we use the old you know, Satan store, Toys R Us example. There's your kid throwing a temper tantrum in the middle of the store. Practically, that kid is not doing well. Somebody walks up to you, is that your kid? You're like, yeah, that's my kid. <laughs> We're still God's kids even though we're throwing temper tantrums in the middle of the store. But we are looking forward to the complete fulfillment when we can walk into that store and not throw a temper tantrum. We actually would have the ability to walk out and not be upset. False teachers are going around telling people it depends on Jesus and you or it depends on you. Either one of those, it's not meaning it depends on Jesus. The logical question is, why did he die on the cross? And think about it. Do you want to meet God in your righteousness or in Christ? That's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? So now we are growing in righteousness, but when we are with the Lord, we will be perfected in righteousness. So he's saying we are waiting for what? The perfection when we first became Christians, we are saved from the penalty of sin. When you are a Christian walking home, remember we're pilgrims, we don't live here, people who are on our way home, we are freed from the power of sin. Sin no longer has a power over us. It's like what I've told you before. I go to a party now in my neighborhood. My neighbors are like, do you want a beer? And I'm like, no, that's cool. Now, 
I'm not against Christian having a beer, I'm against this Christian having a beer. And so they say, do you want a beer? And I say, no. And then if they ask me again, I said, I don't drink, do you wanna know why? And then I'm in. <laughs> or if they say, oh, that's right, you're the pastor, we heard about you. You're not allowed to drink. I say, au contraire, I'm free. See, I used to be, before I was a Christian and you offer me a beer, I was not free to say no. For me, a beer in my hand was a social crutch and I wanted people to think I was a partier, which once they were with me 10 minutes, didn't take too long to figure out that I was. But now I'm free. I can say yes or I can say no. And so we are waiting for the day when we are perfected in all those ways. Now it's interesting that he says we wait for this through the Holy Spirit. So it is the Holy Spirit that is fueling our certainty. It is the Holy Spirit that is fueling our assurance in what is going on now and what is going to happen in the future. Now that doesn't mean we don't have doubts, but we are confident, unlike other people, that it doesn't depend on us. Again, it's so important to know that in the Greek language, this word hope means total assurance. We hope, we eagerly wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith. We are waiting for the total assurance we have of this righteousness. In English, hope means, well, I'm not too sure. So when we say to people, are you going to heaven? They go, well, I hope so. We need to really say, what do you mean by that? Are you using the biblical word, I'm certain, I'm assured because of faith in Christ, or I'm trusting in Christ alone, or are you just like, well, I'm not too sure, I kinda hope so. That's why when this term of assurance and certainty is why the Apostle Paul says, we eagerly wait. You know when kids are little, they can't wait for their birthday. All they're doing is telling you, oh, my birthday's coming. Oh, my birthday's coming. Little one runs up before we start the Bible study, he goes, hey, Pastor Jim, it's my birthday. So we sang happy birthday, right? They are certain their birthday is coming. They are certain I'm getting this for my birthday. There's no doubt about it. It's my birthday. I'm getting presents. No, like, yeah, kind of, you know, I'm not too sure. Is it my birthday? Am I going to get presents? Sometimes it's this time of year now. Kids like, it's almost my birthday. Really, when's your birthday? August 3rd. <laughs> I mean, they are so sure that their birthday is coming. And the Apostle Paul is saying, this is the kind of assurance we have. This is the kind of assurance that we need to be reminded of that it is coming for sure. So this confident waiting is a fruit of the gospel. It is a fruit of trusting in Christ, but it requires spiritual discipline and spiritual disciplines to experience it in our lives. As we study the word of God, as we preach to ourselves this certain hope, our confidence in Christ increases and our desire for holiness and to live according to the word of God increases. 
the more confident you are in Christ, true confidence, the more confident you will be in his grace and the power of his spirit to live for him. Sadly, it seems too few Christians are eagerly waiting for the second coming, are eagerly waiting for that time of perfection. And I believe that the Apostle Paul knows this in the Galatian church, that they're kind of like, did we do enough? Did we trust enough? And they're sitting ducks for these other jokers that are coming in saying you need to be circumcised. And that's why this book is now gonna take a complete turn into some of the most important stuff you and I know need to know as Christians, and that is the theme of life in the Spirit. He is going to begin to teach us what it means to walk in and walk with the person and power of the Holy Spirit and how to not only live a certain way, but rest a certain way, assured that God is at work in our lives. So our faith, our confidence, our assurance comes through the Holy Spirit. He's gonna unpack a lot more of that. He's gonna unpack it in chapter five, how to walk with the Spirit in life. And then in chapter six, he's gonna tell them how to do it as a church. And he's gonna tell us that the Spirit keeps us today And he's also telling us now that the Holy Spirit is what points us to the things to come. Verse six, again, we gotta go two times. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. This, if you have your own Bible and you should bring your own Bible right in the margin, good definition of the Christian life. So when you're reading your Bible on your own, you catch it right there. For in Christ Jesus, he is saying that's what matters. What God does, not what we do. Neither circumcision, think religious people, nor uncircumcision, think not religious people, avails anything. Another version says means anything. Now, does it mean it's bad? No. He's saying it's okay, but don't think that that it is going to count towards your righteous standing with God. It is of no effect It is theologically irrelevant. There is no power. Once we trust Christ, that is what matters. Circumcision doesn't matter. But what does matter? What does matter? And this is huge. And he's gonna try and make us really understand the distinction of faith and works as a means of salvation and works that are done as a result of the salvation we already have. So we're not doing good works to contribute to our salvation. We do good works because we 
have salvation. Our works come, our lifestyle, our holiness comes out of what we already have in the power of the Spirit. So what does matter? Faith working through love. None of that stuff matters, but what does matter is faith working through love. Once again, it reminds us that faith alone is what unites us to Christ, not our works. But here we see, and in plenty of other places in the Bible, that our works are important. Faith, he's telling us, proves itself genuine, working itself out through love. Not head knowledge, not doing what we want and calling it freedom, but faith is seen as it's worked out through love. Sadly, many people say they have experienced the love of Christ and yet they don't export it. The Apostle Paul would say, are you kidding? The love of Christ is to overflow us so there's plenty for those people around us. And there's other people who say, oh, well, I just continue to sin because I'm forgiven. <laughs> that is not faith working itself out through love. Romans 6, 1 and 2, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Now, what the Apostle Paul is talking about is not just doing wrong things, but also not doing the right things. Now, I rarely do this. I rarely do this. So I'm going to first pick on Roman Catholics, and then I'll pick on the Protestants. The Roman Catholic position on faith working itself out through love is completely wrong on this, completely wrong, anti-gospel. The position they take says is that faith is formed by love and good deeds. Well, who does that put the emphasis on? Yeah, that puts the emphasis on man. That is taking this statement completely out of the whole context of the book of Galatians by saying that faith needs good works to be perfected. In that line of thinking, they're saying that good works becomes part of the means to go to heaven. But the whole letter is about trusting Christ. That is what the whole letter is about and not trusting in your good works to get to heaven. The apostle is saying truth, faith is seen in love. On the other hand, many Protestants think, well, we only need faith. Well, that's another unbiblical extreme because that's not true. If you say have a lot of faith and you can't stand people, something's really wrong with you. Seriously. You know, I hear people all the time like, I love Jesus, I just, I just don't like the church. I always say, oh, so you love Jesus and you hate his wife. Is that what you're saying? Not much of a friendship, is it? You know, do you call your friend up and go, hey, bro, come on over. Just don't bring that wife of yours, man. Can't stand her. That's not much of a relationship. Obeying 
which let's be honest, a lot of people who call themselves Christians, just it doesn't even cross their mind. Same thing with serving. Those things don't make us acceptable to God. It's by grace through faith. And while the apostle Paul says grace and works are incompatible for salvation, the Bible teaches that true faith works. True faith serves the kingdom of God. Verse six, in many ways, sums up true religion. Being in Christ is by the power of God, not by works. And the evidence that one is in Christ is a profound and obvious love and service to God and our fellow Christians and fellow men and women. James says this, James 2.18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. True faith works. Why? Because true faith loves. That's why it works. That's why when you come into church, you see people parking cars with joy in the middle of February. And that becomes the ministry in our church that grew the most over the dead of winter. Why? Because true faith is loving and rolls up its sleeves and gets to work. Faith energizes love. Love doesn't energize faith. Faith energizes love. Selfishness, we all know this, destroys love. Insecurity compromises it. Religion corrupts it. To think we can do religious stuff and get to heaven is not loving Jesus. It's actually using God to get to heaven and dismissing of Jesus. And nowhere do we see this better than the cross. On the cross, we see true love is joyful self-giving for the good of others and the glory of God. It's important to see, guys, we gotta get this. Jesus did not die on the cross for what we bring to the kingdom. Do we understand that? He did not die on the cross for what we bring to the kingdom. He simply loved us and laid down his life for us so we could have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life and we could enjoy the joy that the Father, Son, and Spirit already had. And so we respond to Jesus' love by loving him and loving the people that Jesus loves too because Jesus uses his people to love other people. Jesus loves other people through us. The gospel frees us from selfishness and the gospel motivates us to love and to obey and to serve. Why? Because we have so profoundly been loved and served by the one who loved 
and perfectly obeyed. And because of that, we put our trust in him and the spirit comes to live in us and our faith is then worked out through love. And that is the journey he's gonna take us on through the rest of chapter five. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we're overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is changedbylove, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time.